everyone, welcome to e-commerce straight talk where we talk about all things e-commerce. I'm Sam Sprague and to, here today we have Jonah Riddell Traub. He's the director of e-commerce for Summit Golf Brands. Uh, Jonah, how's life, man? It's good. Um, you know, it's it's definitely like a summer slow period right now, which definitely impacts my day-to-day mood, but things are going well. Yeah. Have you had any time to uh, check out the Olympics? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I've been popping in um, here and there. I, I've been watching the basketball. I've watched the U.S. work Iran last night. Um, yeah. I watched some gymnastics with my fiance, some swimming. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I've been watching the men's basketball too, especially since I'm, a, you know, here in Oregon. So, huge, huge Damian Lillard fan. And trying he's to see scared if, he's gonna ask for yeah. a trade. Oh, oh, like if if I were him or if I worked with him, I'd be like, yeah, we should definitely do that. But I think he wants to build the team here. Like I think when it comes down to a lot of these guys, it's ego, right? And and I think he definitely sees himself as the leader of the team. I don't think he wants to be a number two somewhere else. So, but. At the end of the day, what about what would you what do you think about a CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons trade and pairing Simmons and Dame? Um, I'd be. I mean, I thought we should have traded CJ like a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, not that I mean CJ will never listen to this podcast, but you know, shit. <laughs> should we start a basketball pod? He's he's already got his own. Uh, CJ does. Um. But yeah, because the problem is, is, is CJ and Dame are too much of the same person, right? And so uh, it just doesn't work. Um, but I was hoping that the Clippers would get ousted in first round by the Mavericks. So that way, maybe we could get trade for Paul George. But I don't know if Dame and Paul George would actually play together, <laughs> especially what happened a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. But I, I would be totally up for Ben Simmons trade. Like, hey, let's focus more on defense instead of what we've been doing. I don't know. Just anything, really. They just have to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting. But, you know, with even watching the Olympics, it seems like um, there's definitely more parity with all these other countries starting to win gold, um, which I like. I think it's cool. When you look at total medal count, it's like the U.S., holds like over a thousand medals China's 500 and then it's everyone else and finally you have like the Philippines got one Tunisia got one like it's it's kind of cool to see that um, yeah and basketball in particular you know I don't know just because number one it just doesn't seem like the U.S. men's team has any fire in them um, but you you look at like France and Spain and these European countries that have fully loaded NBA rosters too. So it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, but so, you know, talking about sports and then, you know, getting into golf, um, how has this, this summer been? Cause I know, you know, you and I spoke before and we talked about, you know, this, the past year and the pandemic and really seeing a lot of these um, extracurriculars sort of get put on pause but how has, how has golf been treated over the past year, year and a half? Yeah, so golf, you know, I think in 2020 and 
you know, I may be misquoting the stat, but it's, it's what I have in my head. So I'm just going to go with it. There were more rounds of golf played during 2020 than like any other year previous. So, you know, golf, because it was like an outdoor socially distanced thing, exploded in popularity. And, um, you know, because like the pro shop scene at a lot of courses was altered, um, you know, uh, golf e-commerce really sort of exploded. So last year was a huge high. Um, and, you know, this year, uh, the wholesale business is, is you know, having a, a record year. The e-com business is, is still doing pretty well. Um, you know, we're not seeing like incredible growth like we saw in 2020. Um, but, you know, if you look at like Google Trends or anything, which I, I do semi-regularly, uh, like golf interest is actually up year on year. Um, so, you know, I'd say it's been a good 18 months to be in the golf business. And, you know, even anecdotally, like I see that with my friends, like people that never played golf before, or, uh, you know, getting into it and going out and realizing like, you don't need to be a super stud to get out there. And, um, so, it, so it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd be curious to see the stats because, you know, like thinking about like MLB, right, in baseball, um, I I foresee, and I'm on this bandwagon, and obviously the MLB will, will disagree with me, um, that the younger generation is not getting into baseball, like the old, older generation, right? Just takes too long. Games start in the middle of the day. There's 180 of them, like so many things, right? But with golf, do you guys see younger generations continuing to push on and, and play? So, so for some context, I just started um, at this at this uh, at Summit in January 2020, and my, you know, understanding was that there was a feeling that golf, you know, was sort of fading, um, you know, and people had like a very specific concept of who was a golfer and who wasn't a golfer. Yeah, uh, like from a personality perspective. But I think, you know, this past year gave people a chance to do it. Um, so, I, it, so you know, I think it's totally reinvigorated the sport. That's cool. Um, so, you know, talking about e-commerce and obviously we've seen some massive growth across the board in e-commerce, especially e-commerce as a percentage of total retail sales um, since the beginning of the pandemic. But as an e-commerce director, what would you say your philosophy is? Yeah, so I'd say my overarching philosophy is to keep it pretty simple and not get bogged down and, you know, like tracking 150 acronyms. I basically, you know, and I, I look at this with my C-suite every week, basically only track three things and that's traffic, uh, conversion rate and average order value um, because you know basically if you're getting someone to your site you're getting that person to buy and you're getting them to buy more shit you're gonna have a growing business 
Um, and the story I like to tell about that is <clears throat> I started in e-commerce in, in 2013 and basically uh, like didn't have any idea what I was doing. I, I didn't study marketing or e-com or digital or anything. Um, and my first role had been at a really traditional advertising agency. So um, I was out there just like grinding away, <laughs> answering customer service emails and phone calls, um, you know, like doing like site merchandising, doing, uh, creating products, you know, dealing with uh, fulfillment and logistics, like nonstop. Um, so I was putting in like 10 hour days and the e-commerce business wasn't growing. Um, and I was like, well, this kind of sucks. Like I'm killing myself and I don't, <laughs> I'm not seeing any results. So, you know, I guess like somehow through osmosis, I'd heard of Google Analytics. And so like, I, I knew that it was like a thing that, and even the name, like I knew there was some insights that could be gleaned from that. Yeah. So basically one day I'm looking at our channel breakdown of revenue and I see that everything, the, the only way we're driving revenue besides direct um, organic and email is from this uh, paper pay-per-click site called ShopStyle, which is a fashion aggregator. So I was like, oh, well, shit. Like, if I can get five more websites that send comparable traffic to ShopStyle, then I'll 5X this business. So obviously that's, like, easier said than done, and there's a cost associated with driving traffic. But I began to sort of look at it through that lens. And so one of the first, um, one of the first ways I figured out how to drive additional traffic, this was in 2013. So way before Facebook and obviously Google existed, but I, I didn't know anything really about it. Um, I found a similar fashion aggregator called Polyvore. And we started a, uh, like essentially the same kind of relationship we had with, uh, with ShopStyle. And so we launched Polyvore and one day I get home from lunch back to the office and, you know, to, to paint a picture, I'm working in an office like the size of a closet basically and by myself. Yeah. Um, so, so I sit down at my desk with my salad and I noticed that we've gotten a $1,500 order and I go and look at the order and it turns out that the customer had been, uh, you know, had clicked one of our product ads on, on Polyvore. And not only that, but uh, she checked out with PayPal, which was, you know, a tool that I just added to the site, the ability to check out with PayPal. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but she'd, bought a couple of um, like expensive Nikes that I, we just put up on the website. And that sort of, you know, was like a, a light went off, right? So as long, if I'm focusing on traffic conversion rate, 
which is the PayPal piece, obviously, and, and average order value, which is the merchandising piece, I'm going to see results. So almost overnight, like that sort of changed my perspective and way of thinking about it. And I knew that I didn't have to be putting in, you know, 10 to 12 hour days, like grinding away, banging my head against the wall. I could be like sort of more strategic. And over the course of the years, you know, thinking about things with that perspective, you know, I've learned sort of how to be hands on keys operating on any of the traffic channels you could imagine. Obviously, uh, what that's looked like has changed over the years to now being primarily Facebook and Instagram. Um, as well, you know, as well as getting really smart about email marketing and, you know, having, uh, you know, take, uh, thinking a lot more about customer experience and on-site experience. So, you know, overall, the philosophy is to focus on those, um, those three factors, uh, you know, get more people on your, on your site and sell more shit is, is the, the <laughs> overall philosophy. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a great philosophy. Um, when, you know, you, you talk about, you know, traffic and average order value and conversion rate. Um, what have you, have you seen any trends over like the past, you know, six months to a year, as far as conversion rates concerned, um, the things that you can do to your site to, to help move people along through the funnel? Yeah. So, you know, I would say in general, traffic and well so traffic and conversion rate are obviously tied right because the quality of the traffic you drive has a big impact on your conversion rate um so you know one thing and i'm sure we'll get into this that uh ios 14 has has brought is worse converting traffic from facebook so we've had to be a little bit better about um, about you know getting the site to work as 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 well as possible. So um, you know we're we've we I sort of reluctantly brought on SMS um, uh, and 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 that seemed to have have a positive effect on both mobile opt-in rates and mobile conversion rates. Mm -hmm. uh, on one of my brands, I work with a company called ConvertCart, and yeah. we do, you know, essentially one at a time experiments, uh, you know, making small tweaks to one of my sites, fairwayandgreen.com, use code TRAB for 50% off your order. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, and so, you know, we've, we focus on making um, minimal improvements there. And then the other thing that I've been sort of obsessed with for basically the past year is site speed. Um, so, you know, we've, we've brought on a partner to essentially build like a, a headless version of our site that sits on top of our shop by site, um, you know, with a focus on, on site speed and performance. Um, and then, you know, we've also been really focused on on-site search um, and improving that experience and, uh, and you know, sort of uh, organization 
it, as well as experimenting with landing pages on where we're pushing Facebook traffic. So I just gave you like a hundred answers, <laughs> um, but you know the you know the the philosophy there is also pretty simple. Like get the people onto the site where you want them to buy stuff. Uh, make your site functional that, that you know provides minimal barriers help them find the stuff they're looking for and you know depending on your business and if your margins can afford it uh if you're going to goose it along with a discount like it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world so you know you you brought up headless and then you know talking about headless e-commerce um do you want to dive into that a little bit more and and talk about like the benefits of why you guys are, are, are thinking about going that route? So I am definitely not uh, as well versed technically as I should be on this. Um, so I'm gonna say this in probably in a very unsophisticated way, mm -hmm. but you know, essentially the way Shopify delivers the content of your website, all the stuff that's not like involved in like the cart and checkout is sort of, and this, this may be changing with uh, like a new, the new Shopify product launch that seems to be, you know, that they announced this several weeks ago, but the, the Shopify uh, like content management is, is sort of out of the box kind of slow. So we are looking to deliver, you know, that site content faster. And it seems like we can do that dramatically with um, Contentful. And we're working with sort of like a quasi agency software tool. I don't, I don't know exactly how you define it to help sort of implement that process. Um, and then my other understanding is that, you know, site speed is continuing to become more and more important from an SEO perspective. So there's sort of a tangential benefit there. Um, yeah, and, and I'm on the same page as you, um, as much as I've, you know, researched what headless is. Same. Still... I, I, I read about it constantly and I'm never like left with a better way to describe it than sort of what I just did. Yeah, because... it's, it's semi-abstract. Um, I think the idea is traditionally, and what I mean by traditionally is the past few years with Shopify and other sites, there's X amount of steps it takes before someone can make a purchase. So how could we speed that up? Well, we can speed it up by cutting out a lot of the BS, right? A lot of the noise, the steps, total number of steps it takes you know, reduce friction, right? Because reducing friction increases speed for someone's purchase and that equals convenience, which equals best customer service and so on and so forth. So how can you do that? Well, that I think that's what headless is in a sense. Um, granted, I don't know if it'll work for everyone. Yeah, but... so I agree that con like conceptually, that is my understanding of it as well. However, I'm like, okay, cool. Show me a headless site. And it basically is just like the same as a regular site. Yeah. 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 Um, I was, I mean, I, I did the same thing was looking for headless sites. I came across one. It just seemed like a wholesale site. 
It's like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I have no clue either. Um, apparently it's the new thing though. Everyone's talking about it. Yeah. Um, so I, I tend to like shy away from, you know, like sort of reflexively reject something that's supposedly the new thing if I can't like wrap my head around it. But, you know, the idea of improving my site performance, you know, was a was a simple enough way for me to understand that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, leave it to marketers to come up with a name that describes something in the worst way. Um, but because you can... am I, no, check me if I'm wrong, but like the yeah. way like sometimes people talk about it abstractly, it's like, you could be, you know, you could be shopping on for on this site from your your fridge or something like, you know, it's untethered to. Yeah, um, it's it, the idea is to speed up the process in which someone buys a product, right? Um, so you could do it from Alexa. I guess that'd be the best way to describe it. Like Alexa, you go on there and you say, "Hey Alexa, buy this," right? So very similarly, how could you do that through just a website without someone having to talk to Alexa to do it? It'd be like, you find the product, you just say, buy, buy now, in a sense. Yeah. You're not going through like add to cart, um, add payment info, add shipping info, go through the payment process. Okay, purchased, you're done, right? It's th That's four or five steps right there. Can you reduce that to one? Yeah. And yeah. And so, so that's sort of how I see it. But the head, what gets you confused is you think headless. Okay. What does that mean? You know, we're cutting off the head of what, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> not, not too sure. So as someone out there is smarter than us can figure it out, but um, you know, uh, talking more about, you know, going back to iOS, the iOS changes that have um, really picked up over the past, you know, two months um, since the iOS 14.6 update, um, I think we're at like 82.8% of iOS users have updated to the latest update. Um, with that, I don't know the particulars as far as like what percentage, but basically you're probably around 80 to 85% of people have opted out of being tracked on like, say, social media. Um, opted out meaning that their they're, Facebook can no longer track them. Um, and so as far as, you know, that traffic piece and, and talking about that, how, how we push traffic, obviously Facebook and Google have been like the number two, one and two, and then Amazon comes in, Walmart, but that's a tad different and how those get worked. But what have been some of the biggest issues you've been dealing with as far as the iOS changes? Yeah, so it, it's been relatively dramatic. I think when I first sort of, started hearing about it last year i i maybe initially thought it was going to just be a reporting issue mm -hmm. um you know like there would be some percentage of sales that were driven by my ads that weren't able to be tracked and then the more i heard about it i thought you know maybe there'll be uh an effect on retargeting as well because Facebook won't have as clear enough data into what people have done, um, you know, with the ad outside of outside of buy stuff. Um, but you know, I thought it, that it wouldn't be too traumatic for me because you know I'm selling like 
a hundred dollar shirts. So it's not a huge consideration cycle. So, you know, I was, you know, I have friends who work for, you know, jewelry companies and I was like, Oh, your, your shit's about to be fucked up. Um, And, you know, so I, I was, I was expecting some effect, but, but not a dramatic effect. And then I would say even before the changes rolled out, like I'd say around like three, one, I saw a pretty dramatic effect on the quality of traffic uh, that was being driven by the ads. Yeah. And, you know, that is something we are still trying to sort out. I think the other piece that has, uh, you know, also had an impact and it's a little opaque to me, what percentage of the decrease in Facebook ads affecting this is related to iOS 14 versus less and more expensive ad inventory with people, you know, not online as much. Um, And, you know, in general, probably shopping online less because they're shopping in store um, or like, you know, spending their money on going out to eat or going on vacation. Um, So, you know, I think it's basically a combination of those three things that have that have caused a pretty uh, noticeable de- decrease in, in ads efficiency. And, you know, unlike sort of my expectation, this is not just a reporting issue. I'm seeing it sort of with my daily order volume. Um, so, you know, in the very short term, I think it, it's, it's gonna be sort of hard to, to deal with. I'm very curious to see how things start to look in the fall, uh, both as, as Facebook has more time to sort of get learnings on, you know, the type of targeting they can do with the reduced information. And as people are, you know, back in their office more and, you know, fucking around shopping online as opposed to like doing more. Um, you know, as opposed to going on vacation for the first time in 18 months. So I'm, I'm curious to see what the fall looks like. Um, you know, uh, the, this, uh, this Facebook thing is real. And I think, you know, it's the, the thing that sort of settles me is I built uh, e-commerce businesses before Facebook ads basically existed. Um, and there's going to be ways to get cheap and quality traffic to the site. And, you know, it's part of this role to identify those and, uh, you know, figure out how to operate in these alternate traffic channels until such time that, you know, Facebook sort of returns to its, you know, to some uh, some amount of uh, its its previous um, success, or if it doesn't, you know, it's something else. You know, maybe the Chinese government invents a new app that's as addictive <laughs> as TikTok, and you know, then yeah. we can learn how to advertise there. And um, 
Well, China will learn. We won't, but um, <laughs> no, it's it's. I don't think Facebook will ever be back to what it previously was. It won't be like what what it was in twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, um, but but I think it'll it'll get back to like twenty eighteen nineteen levels. Well, I I think this is my personal view on things, but. So Apple releases this iOS update, markets it as this privacy thing, right? They're, they care about the people, right? They're, they're, they're out here for us. Um, and what they do is they basically block off the flow of data. And so they control all the data. And I think you saw this with Google too, when at first they were like, why would you do this Apple? And now they're like, oh yeah, we like privacy too. Because Google has the Android and all their users, and they're like, we can control data as well. And then, and then June 30th came around, and now through the aggregated events manager, um, you can see that Apple is now sending Facebook opt-out data, right? So it's saying they basically came and made a deal with Facebook, saying for you know whatever your primary event is set up through AEM. Um, we will now show you that last conversion, just the number. We're not going to give you revenue or anything else. Just the purchase. Okay, this is the number of purchases that came out from opt-outs over the past week. So with that, when that happened as well, what you also saw was an increase in CPM, even though people are not spending more money on Facebook, right? Brands are not spending more. In fact, they're either spending less or just getting off of it, pausing it entirely. Yeah, but I so I think some of the CPM rise is in relation to the fact that there are less converters on Facebook and Instagram on any given day. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there could be as well. So, well, I guess what, what I was thinking is- And also Facebook is worse at identifying converters. Yeah, well, my thought was, okay, well, what if, you know, they have to pay for this, this is their beta test, right? Pay, they have to pay Apple and then the CPM is then, that's how they pay for it. At the same time, Right, we have all these iOS changes going down. Um, everyone's out vacationing, right? Like you can't get there's no campground or hotel or anything that you can get in a hundred miles for until October. So you have that. You also have unemployment, which is is higher than the you know the average four percent of what any nation can hold four percent. That's your natural turnover unemployment rate, right? It's a six six something. But the bulk of that are your blue collar and service industry folks, right? So there's also a labor shortage, increased prices on everything. You still see people making big purchases on cars and homes that are completely overvalued, but yet they're, they're not making a lot of purchases on smaller items. So it's very, it's just, a, there's a lot of shifting things that are happening everywhere that's, that's sort of created this weird totally and then you're look you're comparing it year on year and you know that's that's a whole other can of worms because you know you're comparing it to like peak lockdowns when people had nothing to do but buy shit they don't need online yeah yeah no we um i mean we were working with brands who were spending upwards of a million bucks a month during lockdown because it was converting it was doing well um but you know, how, sort of how I see this, um, I'm all for a little bit of chaos, right? It's it's obviously painful, but 
as as this happens, you increase that barrier to entry. So, um, you know, it, it, and and I, I I remember distinctly saying this since like 2016, 2017, having conversations with brands and meeting companies that you're like, I don't even like you you sell what kind of product? What is this? Like people buy this? Like no, they don't buy this. And you see them sort of getting by when times are really good. And you're like, there's so many companies out there, which like, we're just sort of getting by when times were great. And you're like, you know, like the, a correction needs to occur at some point in time, because this is getting out of hand. Right. When you're, you know, like, like, I, I don't know, I could go off and talk another hour about all the different products that I've seen uh, come through that people wanted to push, but, but so this sort of, uh, you know, maybe it didn't need to happen this way. I do think in general, iOS hurts small business the most. Person. Yeah, um, because you have bigger brands who can continue to spend blindly. I mean, they are spending blindly before. And so it's like, what's the difference now? Um, but I would say to any brand not really understanding what's going on is I would look at your MER, your marketing efficiency rating. So all revenue, all real revenue. So sales minus discounts and, 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 and freebies and returns. Um, that real revenue divided by total spend across the board right yeah so that's your yeah so what i was gonna say is is that's your mer but what you can do is you can track that for the past every month for the past two years and you can watch and see your trend lines and does that match what you're spending yeah the other thing that i've been looking at and it's this you know it's essentially getting at the same thing is looking at the number of new customers i've acquired within any given month and dividing that by my my Facebook, Google and affiliate spend during that month on that brand mm-hmm. um, and going back, like looking back 12 months so we can sort of see that. And, you know, that also, that's essentially the same thing as MER, but it's not, or MER, it's not, you know, it's not over counting if you've had like an amazing email or, you know, some, some big or some other big, you know, repeat revenue event. So uh, I'm, you know, that was traditionally thought of as a CAC or a customer acquisition cost. Yeah. Um, And I, so now I'm, now I'm really trying to focus in on the number of, new choir, uh, new visitors that I'm acquiring, uh, during, during a given period. And I think as the data starts to get more and more, uh, more and more nebulous, you know, as Google, uh, adopts their flock or whatever, uh, you know, focusing on, on that blended cap is, is, is going to be an important, uh, metric. And it also, you know, softens the blow when you look in your Facebook ads manager and you're like, oh shit, I've got a point of eight row ads this week. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and sticking on that point too, and um, looking at new visitors and, and traffic and are there any new traffic channels that, that you're excited about or that you see sort of popping up? Yeah. So, so obviously that's been a, a major topic over the past couple of weeks um a couple months uh the thing i'd say i'm most excited about and i don't want to totally screw myself by giving all your savvy listeners 
the game away. Um, the thing I'm most excited about in the, in the very short term is broadcast. Uh, and hmm. I think there's a pretty big arbitrage opportunity there. And I also think it presents a sense of scale in the customer's mind, uh, you know, that it often might not be warranted. I think long-term we're gonna see, you know, almost back to like, a, you know, what I mentioned at the start of this call, like a 2014 model with like aggregators working on an affiliate basis, um, you know, in different verticals. And you've seen like these, the rise of marketplaces, right? Like Amazon, Walmart, and, you know, those are, are somewhat similar to what I'm describing, but I think there's uh, room for sort of more targeted aggregators, uh, yeah. like the fashion aggregators I was talking about in 2014. I also, you know, the thing I've wondered is like, why isn't there like, a, a, you know, obviously I'm focused on golf, like why isn't there a daily golf newsletter, like, you know, like of the skim or something with product recommendations that's incentivized and monetized on an affiliate basis. Um, so I think there's definitely, there's definitely a space for like a savvy entrepreneurial media person to create a property uh, that I think could, uh, you know, suck up some of the spend, particularly if the spend risk for the merchant is backloaded, i.e. they only pay, you know, when someone converts. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it was, so we have, we have, we have agency partners all over and one of them does traditional. So TV, radio, print. Um, and they were saying, you know, this, this, since the latest iOS um, changes that they're actually getting more brands to come over to spend money yeah. on, to spend money all the way onto print, which is like the worst, ugh, you know, garbage. Um, they're like, yeah, well, you know, we're really seeing them come back. And it's interesting to me because in theory, yes, you're reporting through platforms like Facebook has dwindled, it sucks. But now you're saying that your overall purchase behavior, you perceive to be, they're just not buying things off social media anymore. Therefore, we're going to go back to really what wasn't working before and, and, and go towards print. <laughs> now, um, that what, what I find interesting is take that and, and this, is, this has been my sort of um, uh, conversation for about three years now. I was like, because we were pushing social media. We have other partners doing TV and TV was still super expensive. Radio was still super expensive. And I was like, at some point in time, Facebook has become either as expensive or a little more expensive than TV and radio. And that's when it'll come back. And so I think like you're saying, we're starting to see this fluctuation of, of all these different mediums sort of come and people are trying to figure it out. Right. Like I'm, it's a great point. I'm platform agnostic. I don't care if my money goes to Zuckerberg or Jack or like whoever mm -hmm. I'm looking to get customers to my site the cheapest. So, so like you said, it's like about identifying where that arbitrage opportunity is, where, you know, you can, 
you can start acquiring customers for less and less. That's why looking at your MER is super important, particularly as you move away from platforms with really concrete channel reporting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's a big opportunity for traditional. Like I don't understand why all of these traditional media properties aren't going like all in on their affiliate programs. Um, you know, you talk to them and they're like, well, you know, we do a hybrid with a $50,000 flat fee plus 25%, um, you know, cut on orders that we drive. And it's like, in what world do these numbers make sense? That's why I'm saying like, if, if a media property that have legit traffic was like getting it right, and offering it to advertisers at a price that made sense, they could be crushing it. Um, but you know, in the short term, it's about figuring out uh, where people are. Like, because the one thing that hasn't changed because Apple started asking people if they want to opt out is like, there's still a ton of people buying a ton of shit. So you've got to just find them and get them to your site for the least amount of money as possible. And then, you know, once they're in your ecosystem, you've got you to gotta figure out a way to convert them. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's, so looking at, you know, these, all these different platforms, and like you said, just being completely platform agnostic, but then also looking at referrals, um, you have, I mean, you have all these different groups out there. You will have even these CPA networks, which work off of just, you know, if we get a sale, we have a set, set cost, right? So they pay us X amount per sale. What's interesting is, and, and this is when I, you know, when I started my agency was, this was getting, um, used to the, how you price, right? Your pricing model and, digital coming from traditional so traditional used to be if i worked tv and radio i would come to you and i'd say hey you know you have a hundred thousand dollar budget cool we'll buy you a hundred thousand dollars in media and you'd be like well how much are your fees i oh, don't worry about it like we got you covered <laughs> right because what they do is that you give them the 100k they take 10 percent off the top but they report back to you as 100k right so they they buy ninety thousand dollars worth of media but they're reporting it as a hundred um so you move to facebook google where now the brands owned own the real estate and they can see because their credit card gets charged so you can't do that anymore right that's or or it's very hard because they start off doing that okay you just percentage of spend but then people are questioning like eh, this kind of bullshit it's bias um you're incentivized to spend more even if you're not performing well so then you have all these other models flat retainers to um even performance models which is what we do um and now you know as you know, as we work and, and, and really when you look at like what our job has become from being media buyers to basically we arbitrage a lot of content, right? My whole life is built and revolves around how much content can I get my hands a, a, you know, a hold of at, and at what cost? Because that's driving everything. That's how I, that's how you tell your stories. That's how you, you really push uh, the envelope. That's that's how you can kind of filter that targeted audience. Um, and so now you're sort of seeing the shift, especially with influencers wanting an arm and a leg, um, especially for like BS posts and whatnot. 
but you know you look at referrals and and influencers and, and the shift in pricing and the shift in across the board is there's, there's massive uh disruption everywhere and i think it's good honestly um i i, I think it's good for brands and agencies and it'll sort of um what you know whittle out the week and uh the you know the companies that have just been doing um piss poor forever that have sort of been getting away with it but you know that's my personal take anyways no i totally agree like you know like you said earlier you're not going to build an instagram business based on like you know marketing like capricorn t-shirts to people who are born in january you know you're going to need to like build a legit business you know that's you know that can some that can be separate from creating like a brand in the way like you know founders sometimes talk about it but you know ultimately you need to be selling a product that people actually want like you're not going to be able to trick them yeah yeah product market creative the biggest things um yeah. well jonah hey i appreciate you coming online and chatting with us today um yeah, where can pleasure. people where can people find and connect with you at so i'm on linkedin uh it's jonah riddell traub uh j-o-n-a-h-r-e-d-e-l hyphen t-r-a-u-b uh my email is uh my last name without a hyphen at gmail.com um uh i you know i'm on instagram as jonah.kid if you want to like slide my dms there <laughs> <laughs> cool. um and then you know i've got my four brand sites which you know i'd love uh anyone to check out you can link, find the link through all, to all of them on summitgolfbrands.com uh, we have some really cool stuff cool yeah we'll definitely be sure to, to link to all of them um when we push this out but hey yeah so thanks again jonah thanks for everyone listening in to e-commerce straight talk um be sure to check out our youtube channel subscribe there um you can also listen to us on spotify uh, apple and uh google play all right everyone take it easy